Live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios in Knoxville, it's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Here are your hosts, John Reed and Bob Baskerville. Back in the booth, back on the airwaves. Good morning to you all. As we welcome you into the morning show right here on Fan Run Radio, John Reed, you may be familiar with me as I have been on various time slots here. First crack at the morning show at least in seven years. Bob Baskerville, Sam Beard, bringing us in, flying this plane. Excited to be back. Hope you all are having a great 2024. I haven't talked to you all year. Bob Baskerville sitting across from me. You may be familiar with him. He's been doing some radio hits with us the last couple of weeks. He's been in the Knoxville sports market for a while now as a co-founder of Rocky Top Insider. Bob Baskerville, welcome to the morning show. Welcome to Fan Run Radio. Yeah, good morning, guys. Uh, it's good to be here, man. I'm excited. Thank you very much. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Bring them up to speed on who you are in case they are not familiar with you. You have a very impressive resume. I'm very excited about the opportunity to be sitting across from you and working with you. It's a part of the reason I agreed to start waking up at 5.30 in the morning after uh, almost a decade and a half of being a night owl. Now I'm a morning person, and a lot of that is because of the respect I have for you and your career. So if the audience is unfamiliar with Bob, Bob, uh, fill them in on a couple things. Well, thank you. I'll kick it off by saying I'm Bob and I like to party. Just getting my little hot rod in there. So, uh no, thanks, John. And, yeah, getting up this morning was interesting. Um, it was different, but very exciting. Um, yeah, I'm just going to give you a condensed version of who I am, just for those to uh, that don't know me, uh, maybe get to know me a little better as we go into this journey. Um, and it's been kind of a wild ride to get me where I'm sitting today. I've been in the media business most of my life. Um, started out working in local TV while I was in college and then moved back to my hometown of Indianapolis, worked in TV news there. And then I was young and wanted to, uh, you know, sow some wild oats. I moved to Los Angeles, got a job with uh, E! Entertainment Television, got a chance to work on some really cool uh, TV projects that were the first of their kind and are now replicated everywhere. Um, first was doing, uh, I was thinking about it last night when the Golden Globes were on, uh, we were the first to do the live red carpet coverage of all the major award shows, the Oscars, the Emmys, Golden Globes, Grammys, um, kind of like a pregame show for all the major Hollywood events. Um, and then I got to develop two TV projects with Howard Stern. Uh, the first was a studio based one-on-one -on -one interview show that was a good show, Emmy nominated, but Howard was kind of uncomfortable with the format. Um, he wanted to get back to doing uh, his radio show, something more like it on TV. So that's what we did. We created the TV simulcast of the Howard Stern show on radio with his entire cast of characters. And, you know, fast forward to today, we see those types of shows everywhere today, maybe not with the nudity there used to be with Howard's show. but That did a lot for nine-year-old me, <laughs> ten-year-old me growing yeah. up. I, I appreciated uh, your contributions there to my childhood. Yeah. Not exactly the nudity, but the implication. That was enough for me yeah, to uh, was, keep me. I guess it was more around when I was 12 or 13 years old. But, yeah, watching that late at night, 
on the E, you know, replays or whatever. It was a big part of my childhood. Yeah, it was real, and uh, we didn't we didn't want to wreck the theater of the mind, but it was definitely real. But we were the first to do that ever. That that's something I architected. And uh, conversely, though, that's where my love for radio began too. Um, but I got I had enough of going between L.A. and New York. Traffic riots, earthquakes, crowds, cost of living, everything else. I made the move back east to a little sleepy town called Knoxville. Loved it. Um, still here, obviously. I was recruited to help create and launch a lifestyle TV network called HGTV. I had no idea what I'd stumbled into. I thought it was a get-out-of-L.A. ticket. Actually, it's been great. It's obviously an iconic network. Spent 25 years there. Had some really great jobs and great opportunities. But my first love ever since I was a kid was sports. I love all sports. It doesn't matter what it is. And now, since my family and I have lived in Knoxville, East Tennessee, the majority of our lives, this is home for us. Uh, and I've become a huge fan of the Big Orange, which is why I created with uh, John Osborne a digital business almost 10 years ago that focuses on University of Tennessee sports. You mentioned it earlier, Rocky Top Insider. Um, John's been an amazing partner, brilliant guy, great guy. Um, and you're familiar with the RTI team by now, Ryan Shumpert, Rick Butler, Jack Foster. We are uh, stronger than ever, have a legitimate seat at the table. And while I remain involved with that business, um, I still had a creative itch to scratch, and that's how I, uh, you know, that's what led me to realize that uh, there was some great opportunities here. I've been watching from afar with what's been going on with Fan Run. You guys are making some noise in the market, and I wanted to help be a part of continuing that 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 momentum. So, and that led me to being here today with you, John. Can't thank Ryan Brown enough for the opportunity. Teammates have been great so far, super welcoming. John, of course, but also Russell, Houston, Jake Miller, Bear. Um, I could go on, but we obviously have a show to do, and that's what people want to hear, and that's you know really what excites me most. Out of all the opportunities I've had, this one really, really has me uh, has the juices flowing. We will get to know you a little bit better throughout the show, throughout the weeks, the months, the years. Welcome to the Fan Run family. Now, on the flip side, we have Sam Beard. Sam Beard, you might have heard him on the Blitz the last uh, basically year, I guess, at this point. Sam is starting his career. Sam is starting this journey. I told him that I'm impressed at the willingness to get up at 6 a.m. to come in and do this. But, Sam, happy you're here. Happy to work with you. Welcome to the morning show. Yeah, uh, really excited to be here. Appreciate you all, you know, taking me on and everything. Tough, uh, tough act to follow after, you know, Bob going through that one with me. But, you know, I, I got a year and a half under my belt, you know, with the Blitz, and, and I'm excited to, you know, to kind of dip my toes into something new here and, and you know, work with guys like you and, and kind of expand my horizons here and, and get a little bit more experience in everything. And I think we can bring a, a really great program here to the mornings in these three hours. So I'm excited to get it going. Um, you know, the wake up was easy this morning. We'll see how we'll see how that keeps going, but I'm I'm excited. I think this uh, this morning show is a new little wrinkle. I'm I'm pumped for. Hey. Yeah, it's easy to wake up when you are nervous and anxious, right. and uh, you know you're you're trying not to oversleep and you're trying not to sound like an idiot on the first day. But we'll see how that goes when you get a little bit more comfortable. <laughs> I'm not so sure though, man. I mean, I think back to when I was Sam's age. Back when I was Sam's age, um, man, I was. Getting up this early, I could never do it. I'm, I, I'm impressed, man. I think I would have pulled an all-nighter. I think yeah. that would have been what I yeah, tried to do. That's right. that's I remember right. uh, freshman orientation uh, whenever I was supposed to drive to Murfreesboro because I started at MTSU. I, I just pulled an all-nighter and uh, went there and kind of slept in the parking lot before. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think I'd be able to do what Sam did. But uh, happy to be here. 
the morning show. We are going to have some fun. We're going to try. It's going to be different than talk sports. If you were a talk sports fan, appreciate you, but not going to be that same type of show. We're going to be a little bit more professional here. We're going to try to make you smarter. We're going to try to uh, get some guests. We will take some phone calls at some point. We have some guests lined up today. Ryan Shumpert, Rocky Top Insider, kicks us off at 8.30. I believe you then have Russell booked for 9 a.m., I believe, too. Yeah, he's wanting to call in. I don't know yeah. what that's about, talk trash, or we'll, who knows. We'll, we'll talk to Russell at 9, and then at 9.30, we'll be joined by Rick Barnes. No introduction necessary, but he is the head coach of the Tennessee basketball team, a top-five team in the country, and maybe Tennessee's best chance to break through and get the program's first Final Four that was a beatdown on Saturday of Ole Miss, who had the a, a number 25 ranking next to their name, but I don't think they're really a top 25 team. I think they were like, a, hey, we, we beat up on a lot of average teams to bad teams in the non-conference. But, hey, it's still a ranked win for Tennessee. It was still a sellout. It was still a statement win. As you know, anytime you, you beat a ranked team by 30 points, uh, people are going to take notice. But, yeah, we'll have Rick Barnes join us. At 9.30, we will talk. I guess we have to talk about some Nico. We haven't had a chance to talk about the ball game, the state of the, the, the program here for the football team. Full NFL slate as the playoffs are now set. Should be a fun first show. Should be a fun first show. Anything you're most excited to talk about, Bob? Anything that you look at and you're like, hey, this is the, sto- the big, big main thing you want to get off your chest? No, I think, well, I think the biggest thing for me is uh, what I didn't mention earlier. Yeah, I did. I did. I went to school there. Coming from Indiana, I'm a basketball guy. Love basketball season. So uh, I love football, but, man, when it's this time of year, I, I definitely love talking about basketball. It's great to have a team like what, the one we have that's in the top five and playing like they did. I was at the game Saturday night, and it was, it was a complete victory. I mean, they, they uh, outside of a little bit of a three-point shooting drought in the first half, they, there wasn't much really to point to that they did wrong. And um, so I, I, I love talking about love talking about ball. Look forward to talking to Coach Barnes here shortly. So uh, yeah, that's, that's top of list for me. January, a very underrated sports month. You know, we got the national championship tonight. I think the bowl games were kind of whack. You know, I do think that was uh, the, the final swan song of the bowl games as we kind of know them before we go to the 12 game playoff and i do think they went out with a whimper but i do think the 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 playoff games were awesome i think we'll get a good national championship tonight you know you kind of got a a story of good versus evil you know which is hard in college athletics these days because it almost seems like everyone is kind of evil but i do think we have a a pretty formidable cinderella story going up against a team that's been cheating all year so that one should be fun. And then, yeah, the NFL playoffs. So, like you said, the, you have the football, and then now you're into conference play. Tennessee looks awesome. There's some stuff in the NBA. Trade deadline stuff, maybe as the season kind of gets ramped up. But a great time in the sports calendar. We'll catch our first time out. We'll come back. We'll set the stage for the NFL playoffs because NFL still is king. We'll dive into that next. It's the morning show right here on Fan Run Radio. Welcome back into the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. 18 long weeks 
but we now officially have an end to the NFL regular season. The playoffs are set. I do think we got some good matchups. But to me, Week 18 was really about just some teams choking. That, that, that was my takeaway from yesterday and Saturday, whether it was your Colts dropping the playoffs away on fourth down. Sorry. Had to, yeah, had to it's fair. There. It's fair, man. It's fair. Had to start there. Or the Jaguars, you know, losing to Ryan Tannehill and, and blowing five of their last six games to miss out on the playoffs. Or last night, uh, ending the week, the Dolphins just – with a pretty lifeless second half to blow the division and set up a frigid trip to Kansas City to take on Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey on Peacock. They've been relegated to Peacock from three weeks ago looking like the one seed, like the playoffs might run through Miami, to now you're on the on Peacock going into Kansas City playing a franchise that has, you know, been the the mainstay of the, or the class, I guess I should say, of the AFC since Tom Brady left. But, Bob, what were your big takeaways from yesterday and the weekend that was? Yeah, I think that uh, it was it's, it's a weird, bittersweet last weekend, you know, because for some of these teams, the games just don't matter. You know, there's such throwaway games. I mean, I guess, you know, that Jets-Patriots game because it was – conceivably Belichick's last game up in New England, but it, at least it was a snow game. But, I mean, there were just some duds, but, you know. That it, seems like such a bad way for Belichick to have to go out. Uh, Three points against I mean, a team that he's owned for a long time. So, like, if it is it for him in New England, and it does seem, they did treat it like it was his last game in New England. Like, they almost made it seem like it was a retirement yeah, game that he's just going to hang it up, which that would shock me. Poor dude. I mean, he had, you know, and he had the big ski mask on. You could see it was his eyes, and you know, it was just a weird vibe all the way around. But um, you know, it, it just some of these games. I mean, so some of the things that were interesting. If you were, uh, you know, maybe a recreational better, I guess that's all there is to, to betting these days. But no, no, there are some degenerates. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> no, there's people that are out there ruining their lives. It's not all recreational. <laughs> um, there was a lot going on, like, you know, that, that Cardinals-Seahawks game was a great one. You know, Cardinals had a chance to win it, which actually would have improved um, the Chargers' draft position. Uh, there was some there was some interesting suspense that happened, but then, you know, Arizona clanked the field goal at the end to win the game. It didn't happen, but... Uh, I found myself to be pretty bored with most of it yesterday. I mean, I did, I did find myself locked in on the Titans game. I went into it thinking, like, hey, you know, it's win or lose, whatever, and then... Derrick Henry comes out last, and you know he's, he's he looks like his old self. A couple runs, you're like, okay, now now I've decided I want the Titans to ruin the Jaguar season. I got myself locked in on that, but otherwise, the one o'clock window there weren't really anything. You know, there wasn't really anything that had any st- uh, stakes. The four o'clock window, you thought, okay, maybe like the division could change between the Cowboys and Eagles, but then you're like, well, the Cowboys aren't losing to Washington, and they dominated Washington, and you're like, what the hell's wrong with the Eagles? As they lose again, what? How about Dan Campbell running a tackle eligible play at, at a totally unnecessary time? I, I, mean, I did like that the Detroit crowd, you know, erupted in cheers whenever the refs announced, "Hey, so and so's eligible." They're like, "Hey, yeah. they finally got us one," and that is a you know a big call, obviously, that is keeping Detroit as the three seed and not the two seed. In case they do advance, they would have to travel to Dallas instead of getting to host Dallas. So that was a big, big call 
in Week 17 that's going to cost, you know, playoff seating. It did cost playoff seating, but I was more worried about Dan Campbell having his starters in for so long and, and getting Sam Laporta hurt. That was, the, I guess, the only big injury of Sunday. Of course, Saturday night, T.J. Watt and the Steelers, who got into the playoffs thanks to the Titans. You know, he, he goes off with an injury, but it wasn't like they had any choice. They had to go out there and play him. Sam, do you have any big takeaways from the NFL weekend? Did you find yourself crying as Derrick Henry basically tells everybody goodbye? It was an emotional. It was an emotional day for me a little bit at the end of uh, at the end of Derrick Henry's time there. I will say, um, you know, you kind of mentioned it there with the the Eagles and that Giants outcome. But I think that's something that it, to me is a big storyline headed into these NFC playoffs. I think, you know, kind of coming in, it, it felt like at the start of the year that the Eagles would be one of those teams that's right there coming back into Super Bowl contention and obviously one of those top teams in the NFC. And it seems like they've just really sputtered here, kind of towards. The back half of their schedule, uh, you know, A.J. Brown goes down uh, with an injury kind of in that game as well. So, Have they said and, and Jalen Hurts as well. Yeah, I don't think – I'm looking at it right now. It doesn't seem like there's, like, structural damage, um, you know, but, but he went down and, and Jalen Hurts goes out with a broken finger, I think, as well. So I think there's, you know, there's trouble kind of brewing up there in Philly, and I think there's – they're just not on the same page. The Eagles just completely – fell apart you know like the the beginning of the season halfway through the season it was almost admirable that they were winning ugly and you're like wow okay no Super Bowl hangover here they're going to come out and they're going to you know win their first seven eight nine ten games and you're like no Super Bowl loser has ever done this they're focused and yeah they're winning ugly and Cody used to tell me they just know how to win that's what he always told me they know how to win I was like well that's the positive way to look at it the the pessimistic way is like hey this team is skating by and just, you know, finding kind of flukish ways to win. And a lot of times in the NFL, your luck kind of runs out. And then, yeah, down the the back half of the season, it it was fitting to see the Giants of all teams just kind of blow them out and and dominate them. Not in a game that they necessarily had to win, but if I was an Eagles fan, if we're going to play Jalen Hurts and get his finger dislocated, if we're going to play A.J. Brown and have him go down, it was definitely a game we wanted to win just just in case Dallas slipped up. But instead, they got their ass kicked. And now the playoffs are set thanks to Josh Allen and the Bills and the Bills special teams and Mike McDaniel refusing to give A-Chan the ball somehow in the second half. He barely got a touch after looking really good in the first half, but the Bills still the division from the Dolphins, another team that sputtered down the stretch. Now the playoffs are set, running through them in order. Browns at the Texans, which is a game that, of course, those two franchises are intertwined, right? Deshaun Watson isn't playing. The nasty man is gone, but that is his former team, and that is the team that traded A whole bunch of stuff for him. Cleveland versus Houston. Flacco versus Stroud. Then on Saturday night, Peacock special. Go ahead. Tell everybody in your life. Peacock. You got to have Peacock to watch the game. Tell your parents. You don't want a phone call from your dad on Saturday night frantically as he's trying to find the game and you're trying to get him logged into Peacock. Dolphins at Chiefs. Steelers at Bills. What a win for the Bills. Can I I stop you right there? Yeah. Okay, and and I don't, I'm going to sound a little bitter, you know, because I am a Colts fan, and they you reap what you sow, man. They 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 blew it. The fact that the Steelers are in the playoffs, and I say this with uh, 
no disrespect to Steelers fans, but it just makes me sick, man. That's that. There is nothing entertaining about that team right now, particularly with T.J. Watt hurt too. I mean, I just I can't even believe it. I can't even believe it that uh, you know. Again, we didn't take care of business, but it just I, I'm stunned that that team that's so inept on offense is in the playoffs. With all due respect. It's not like the Colts play a very exciting brand of football <laughs> to anyone from outside of India, from Indiana. No, like no. I, I, so if you're talking about the Steelers being boring, you're not wrong. Although I will say they got a little bit more juice under with Mason Rudolph, which Mike Tomlin's going to keep his job because he has another non-losing season. He got this team to the playoffs, but like when I've been watching the Steelers the last month, I'm like, not only is Mason Rudolph better than Mitch Trubisky. He also seems better than Kenny Pickett. And, like, I'm wondering why they ever went away from him in the first place or how they ended up with two quarterbacks worse than him with him buried third on the depth chart because it does seem like the Steelers, at least the players like him, and he can move the ball a little bit. But, yeah, you're not wrong. Pittsburgh's boring, but Indianapolis is kind of boring too. Well, you know. They're kind of boring too. I don't know. A little bit. They, they at least had a signature player. They got a Jonathan Taylor. They got, you know, there's just, again, Pittsburgh on offense just – it's tough to watch. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, by the way, that was on the bench on fourth and one. Yeah. Uh, great play call. Wrong player out there. I mean, uh, what? Um, that running back had been on the practice squad just like two weeks prior. Shane Steichen is a very smart coach, and he, he was right. They will never suspect us throwing the ball to our practice squad third <laughs> string running back out of the backfield on fourth and one. They'll never expect it. The problem is the running back – didn't expect it either, I guess, because he dropped a, a pretty wobbly pass from Gardner. Like Gardner didn't do him any favors. No, but it was in the hands still, you know. It was in the hands, and that was a choke job by the Colts, and it gives us C.J. Stroud and the Texans, who, you know, shout out to D'Amico Ryans. He probably runs away with Coach of the Year in any other season, but this year I think Kevin Stefanski, who – you know, dusted off Joe Flacco's corpse, and they ended up somehow still going out and winning 11 games. I think he'll probably get it, but Steelers-Bills, what a win for the Bills last night to win the division. If they'd have lost, they'd have been going back to Miami for a playoff game, which I do think the Bills would have looked and said, that's okay, we'll take our chance with this Dolphins team. But instead, they get a home game as 10-point favorites as they went from, you know, a month and a half ago maybe being out of the playoffs. Adam Schefter had the reports talking about, you know, their head coach, Sean McDermott's likening or I guess praising Al-Qaeda and the Taliban for the way they handled 9-11 and the teamwork they showed in that and everyone's like wow why is this story coming out they're going to fire McDermott then he just wins on they go on they win five games in a row and and now they probably are the second favorites in the AFC behind the Ravens and definitely feels like they got a I don't call it a first round bye but home game against Pittsburgh and Mason Rudolph, they, they should yeah. win that game and, and continue the good vibes. The advanced forecast there for weather, too, is uh, sub-freezing temperatures, possible snow. Oof. Not looking good for, for Pittsburgh. Josh Allen tried his best last night to give the game away. He's still Josh Allen. Yep. He's still Josh Allen with the turnovers. And then, yeah, you get to the Cowboys-Packers. This makes me feel like I'm back in like the mid-90s and I'm, I'm sitting in front of my little TV in my room trying to watch Brett Favre take on the Cowboys. I, I used to love watching Cowboys-Packers games. We get a little bit of a, a throwback there. You know, of course, they played a great playoff game a handful of years ago when, uh, when Dak lost to Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers came in there and 
made a great throw to set up the game-winning field goal, but Dallas gets a home game against Jordan Love. That should be a fun one. And then the Rams, Lions, Stafford going back home. That's got to be the worst nightmare for a, a Detroit fan, right? Worst yeah. nightmare. Yeah. Worst nightmare. Particularly the way Stafford's playing right now, too. I mean, he's he's humming it. Uh, yeah, no, that, that line has already started shifting. Detroit opened as three-and-a-half-point favorites, and it's already down to three. A lot of people coming in and betting on the Rams. Just, you know, that's the game I look at and I say that's going to be a shootout. Like, that should be the highest-scoring game of the weekend because I don't think Detroit could stop anybody. The Rams can't really stop anybody, but both offenses – Really, really good, but I just feel bad for Detroit fans. I guess the the good news is the NFL did not throw them on Peacock. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you waited sixty years for a playoff game. At least they didn't put you on Peacock. So you you get the Sunday night primetime spot. Your golden boy is coming home. The prodigal son returns. You send him to Los Angeles. He won a Super Bowl. Goff going up against his old team and his old coach. To me, that's the game with the best storyline. And I do think it deserves the Sunday night spot that it's got. I think you're right. I think also, you know, let's rewind for a second to that Dolphins-Chiefs matchup on Peacock. I mean, that's that's a cal- calculated risk, low risk for NBC. They wanted to do something to build up, you know, streaming traffic. You do it on Saturday night where the ratings are going to be lower typically anyway than Sunday. Um, and then there's the whole Taylor Swift factor, will she, won't she be there, all those types of things. I mean, they, they it's... It's a shrewd move by them. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people complaining about it come next weekend. They won't. It won't. It won't occur to a lot of people till Saturday. Yeah, that's why know? I'm trying to hammer it home right yeah. now. Call your parents, help them out, go by and stop yeah, by their house, and, right. and just be like, "Hey, if you if you want to watch this game, you're going to have to have Peacock." There might be a lot of Vol fans that still have it from the the Tennessee Wisconsin game that maybe they just forgot to cancel that they could squeeze <laughs> Is that out. Free trial still rolling? Yeah, yeah, so they could squeeze out uh, you know one more game with it before they cancel, but. I like Peacock. They, they got the WWE, so I have it and I watch it, but uh, I don't know where it ranks in terms of most famous streaming. But again, Peacock on Sun Saturday. Do you think they can do just a isolated Taylor Swift camera? I feel like that would be a good move to get the Swifties in, to get to get the you know as many people getting out their credit card and giving five dollars to NBC. Give me a Taylor Swift camera. That's a good idea. Um, yeah, they they sure. Uh, we'll talk about this later. But on the Golden Globes last night, I saw Taylor Swift ad nauseum. You know, they kept showing her there, and she really wasn't up for anything. She was just there. So uh, she's just really famous. Exactly. She's, exactly. she's just there because she's really famous. And yeah. I guess she was up for an achievement in cinema. The achievement in cinema, I think. Not or, really. Or it was basically like. The category about basically movies being uh, an event, you know, like uh, I don't know exactly what they call it, but her tour was up for that, like the, the her concert, I guess, simulcast. Somatic and box office achievement and motion picture is what they call it. So, like, she was up for that. So, I guess maybe that's why she was there. That's a long title of, a, of an is. award right there. Cinematic and box office achievement and motion picture. Yeah, so she was up there, uh, up for that and uh, did not win. Barbie. <laughs> Barbie won. Barbie won, in case you were wondering. And then, yeah, ending the Monday Night Football playoff game, the Eagles travel to Tampa Bay, a rematch of the playoffs from two years ago when Tom Brady and Tampa survived against the Eagles team that kept shooting itself in the foot. But – 
Jalen Hurts has gone into Tampa and won in the playoffs, or I guess gone into the playoffs and lost to Tampa. Uh, Baker Mayfield got a little banged up yesterday. That was a brutal game. That's a fitting game. The NFC South had a perfect ending to their season. Mm-hmm. 9-0. 9-0 for the division champion. You had Arthur Smith getting embarrassed on the way out. Yeah. Trying to cuss out Dennis Allen, who lost control of his team because he's saying, hey, guys, Neil. And Jameis Winston's just like, nah. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about that before the show. Jameis Winston, if you if anybody saw the interview, he just on brand for Jameis Winston too. He was like, "No, nah, man, I, you know, he he had no regrets. He was like, "No, I made the call out there. We, you know, Jamal's our boy. We want him to get a touchdown." It's just like, and he goes, "I'm telling you that as a man." That's what he said to the <laughs> the reporter. And oh uh, God, uh, yeah, that, yeah. NFC South has unseated the AFC South at this point. Is kind of the saddest division. Now, I will say the AFC South felt, felt, uh, felt like it had a fitting end, too, with the Jaguars whimpering to the finish line, the Colts dropping a pass, not really the Texans winning it just as much as the Texans survived because it did seem like, okay, the Texans scored the game-winning touchdown and then missed the extra point. You're like, oh, yeah, this this might be the way this comes down and ends. But instead, no, it was a drop fourth down pass and then a really weird intentional safety when I thought maybe they should have just punted the ball out of bounds and, you know, got out there. But both the both the South divisions, uh, entertaining. If yeah. Not very good football, but entertaining. Yeah. You saw Arthur Smith yeah. get fired basically <laughs> midnight last night. As soon as the clock struck midnight for Black Monday, as they call it in the NFL, he was fired. Sam, do you think Doug Peterson is safe? Because I'm looking at that and I'm like, hey, you lost five of your last six games. You blow the division to Ryan Tannehill, and look, if you listen to me on the radio, I love Tannehill, or at least I have for a long time, but he's completely washed now, and you go in there in a do-or-die game, a playoff game, and you get dominated for basically 55 minutes, and you lose five of your last six, and now you miss the playoffs. If I'm if I'm Jacksonville, I'm like, what are you doing here, Doug? Because it's not like Trevor Lawrence looked very good either. Right. I mean, it does. It was a head scratching outcome for the Jaguars because obviously, you know, with the with the result of the Texans game, they know what's on the line, uh, you know, yesterday against Tennessee. And it just felt like they they didn't even get off the bus. You know, it it felt like Tennessee had dominated them uh, from the jump. And yeah, I mean, I I think it might be something to to, to at least, you know, kind of notice is that this Jags team really, really sputtered down the stretch. It's almost identical to kind of how the Titans looked last year, where they start off, you know, hot and seven and three, and they think everything's going for them, and they get banged up, and they just, they can't finish down at the end of the year. Trevor Lawrence, you know, he, he started looking really questionable there at the end of the year. I think you kind of have to worry a little bit about where that offense is at. I think, you know, I don't think that Doug is exactly on the hot seat. I think, you know, he's early enough into that career in the Jags that I don't think he's getting fired necessarily. Uh, but I do think that there's some an area of concern down there in Jacksonville for sure. Well, another one of my big takeaways is just, yeah, you know, Trevor Lawrence, people anointed him too quickly last year. You know, I thought he was pretty bad down the stretch last year. It's just the Titans were worse down the stretch. The Titans just didn't have a Carolina team to break up a losing streak because otherwise – Jacksonville would have lost six in a row, but they got to beat Carolina up last week. But, you know, it's all about what you do with your franchise quarterback, and I just don't think Trevor Lawrence took any strides this year. And if anything, Bob, you're a division fan, maybe you can agree, but I think they've been passed in terms of team of the future. Like, I mean, the Texans have passed them. C.J. Stroud has passed them. Like, 
he wins the division his first year, it looks like it might be his division moving forward because, to me, he's clearly the best quarterback in the division. Yeah, the window opened quickly and closed quickly for Trevor. I, I think, uh, man, C.J. Stroud, how can you not be impressed with him? I, We talked about this last night. It's like you can't name many teams where a rookie comes in and not only, you know, balls out, but also that's his team already in one season. Takes it over. Um, we were talking about Peyton maybe being like that, but Peyton had a horrible first season record-wise, you know, statistically also as well. Stroud's first year is unbelievable. So, yeah, I, I think Houston, man, the future is super bright for that team. And, I, uh, they, and they're doing this without arguably one of their two top receivers. Tank Dell was out. You know, he, he broke his leg, what, about a month ago? So, um, don't know how they'll do in the playoffs, but – if you're if you're a Texans fan, I don't know any, but if you're a Texans fan, you got to be pretty excited. To bring it almost full circle, that's that's who you should be mad at, the Jacksonville Jaguars. If you don't want to see the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs, Bob, blame the yeah. Jacksonville Jaguars for losing to the Titans, a Titans team that you know hasn't been very good this year, and they go in and they get smacked, and that's why you have to watch Mason Rudolph. On, uh, oh, I won't be weekend. watching. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to soak up all be the your last one skip bits. of the week. Yes, I, uh, yeah. Now I'll watch a little. I'm, sure, I'm going to soak up the last bits of football. I love the NFL playoffs. Week two, though, is my go-to. I, I love the uh, divisional round. We'll suffer through. We'll slog through some of the wild card weekend. Of all the games, Sam, your pick for top game. Yeah, to me, I can't look past that Lions-Rams game. I think that's just too good of a story with, with what Dan Campbell's brought to the table this season and, and the way that that Rams team has really come on strong and, and Matthew Stafford and you know and Sean McVay really kind of reviving after it seemed like they had almost fallen off after the Super Bowl and everything like that. I think it's hard to look past that Rams-Lions game. Bob, your game of the weekend? I like that game. I also, for some reason... Uh, you know the McCarthy Bowl. I have a feeling that Man. Green Bay could come in. They're just they're playing really really well right now. At the same time, it's new territory for a lot of them. They're the, about the youngest team in the league, I believe. And I think, I think the fifth youngest. I yeah. think the fifth youngest. So, uh, but again, Jordan Love's playing well. I, I just and I just don't trust Dallas in the postseason. That's that's really where I've fallen. So I. I'm, I'm, I've got some interest in that game, i got to say. I think I trust Dallas until they play San Francisco. Then I think San Francisco is just going to absolutely annihilate them. I don't, I don't think they can beat beat them. But, yeah, the McCarthy Bowl, we didn't really mention that time. We talked about the Texans and, and Browns. We talked about Stafford. But, yeah, Mike McCarthy going uh, up against his old team. Jordan Love. 27 of 32 yesterday, two touchdowns. I'm looking around. I'm like, who the hell is this Bo Melton guy he's throwing the ball to? They got a couple They got a couple wide receivers that just keep making plays, so that game will be fun. Uh, running through the Super Bowl odds right quick. The 49ers and Ravens, of course, are two favorites, but the Bills up to third best right now. The Bills and Cowboys right there, uh, not far behind the 49ers and Ravens. Who knew? They just Bills just needed to get backed into a corner to turn it all around. You know, you, know, you had to stop and think. We're in a tight place, and we got to have each other's backs. It's us against the world, and we're trying to accomplish something. And I don't know, there's some joke about planes and box cutters. But let's move on. Let's move on. Tennessee basketball took care of Ole Miss. We'll dive into that after the break. It is the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. Rock.
Back in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. You know, when I was at noon and I told people to drink White Claw, it felt, it's okay, you know, it might yeah. be at yeah. have, you know, yeah. lunch, you know, a little, a little tougher at 7.45. A little tougher at 7.45 to tell you to drink White Claw Hard Seltzer, but. This is not a White Claw. It does kind of look like it at the I top. Know. I know, I know, but it's not. It's one of these energy drink deals. I would have appreciated the commitment to the brand had you came in drinking a White Claw <laughs> at 7 a.m. I, I like a White Claw, but not at 7 a.m. Pick you up a bottle of White Claw Premium Vodka if you haven't tried it yet. They got flavored vodka. Then, of course, the OG variety pack. The Black Cherry is still the best. Please drink responsibly. When you do drink, drink White Claw Hard Seltzer. Support the people who support us. On Saturday, I did have a couple of White Claws. But also on Saturday, Rick Barnes in Tennessee kept it rolling, dominated Ole Miss. Let them hang around for a bit in the first half. And then, yeah, right before the halftime buzzer, hit back-to-back threes and kind of went into the locker room on a high note and then just absolutely blew them out in the second half. You were there, Bob. What was it like inside the building? Loud. Um, it was a sellout crowd. And, uh, I mean, even post-game Chris Beard mentioned how much the crowd had an effect on the environment. It was it was very, very loud. And, um I thought it was good basketball too. I uh, again, everybody they were getting great looks for threes in the first half, and nothing was falling at the beginning uh, from three point range. They I think were one of twelve in the early going, but they righted the ship and got that straightened out. Like you said, two back to back threes late in the first half. Uh, at the end of the first half, Mayshack hits one um, at the buzzer that for me really helped kind of turn the game even a little more just because of the energy he brings takes a six-point lead makes it a nine-point lead again I think even Beard said that was kind of a that was a little bit of a dagger for them going into the, the second half but that seems a little alarming right to say that a, a shot to send you up not as a dagger I mean and yeah. like and to say because it did seem like it deflated them because they came out and just got absolutely dominated yeah. in the second half like I don't want to question his team's mental makeup. And, you know, I know Beard's supposed to be a hard-nosed coach. But, man, like, for that to feel as deflating as it must have when you see the way they played in the second half just seems a little surprising to me because it was a nice momentum shot. And, you know, good for Meshack. He's one of my favorite players. For him to to hit that, it did cover the first half spread for anybody who had the first half. So, congrats to you guys. That was a nice win. But, yeah, it it was basically over at that point, it seemed like. It was, and, uh, you know, you touched on it earlier in the show where we were, I think we all agree after seeing that game. Going into it, I thought, this is going to be a tough one. You know, Ole Miss is ranked 22nd. It's a Chris Beard team. Um, But I think that's why they were ranked. It's the Chris Beard effect, you know, because of his reputation as a coach, not not outside the headlines elsewhere. But um, they they were not as good as we thought they were, um, for sure. And... Um, they they just they were absolutely deflated in the second half. I mean Tennessee it looked like they quit. Yeah, yeah. Tennessee looked like they could do what they wanted, and um, you know, and yeah, you know, we're going to talk to Coach Barnes later in the show. But you know, the development, the, the thing I continue to be impressed with is the development of uh, Jonas Adu, um, or the evolution of him uh, as a player, because uh, he. You know, everybody was talking about Ole Miss having a seven foot five guy, a seven footer. Those guys were ineffective against him. They blocked a couple shots, but Jonas had his way, and um, it just and Zakai's playing great. Mayshak, who you talked about, he's I think he's everybody's favorite from the standpoint of just what he brings to the floor, all the intangibles. And now if he's dropping a shot here and there, that's going to be key too. Um, 
I, I it was a it was a great game. Um, if you look statistically at the plus minus piece of it, which I think is a little bit of a black art to me, but I, I understand the value of it. I mean, it was insane. Um, you know, you everybody was like in the plus twenty range. Uh, Mayshack was a plus twenty nine. The only guy who wasn't was Connect at a minus one and. That's impressive in a in a very very bad way for Dalton Connect as yeah it's hard to be a, a minus one in a game where your team won the game by twenty six points so he didn't play great the team was better with him off the court there's some stuff out there with you know the the best five maybe not actually including him which I I don't necessarily buy moving forward you know that small sample size theater all that but like. Whenever he's been off the court, you're kind of core five from the previous years of, you know, Jonas and Zakai and Vescovy and James and Meshack. That five plays pretty well together. And Connect didn't do much scoring. You know, he didn't get into double figures. And the team was better with him off the court on Saturday. Let me ask you both this. Who would you say at this point of the season, if you had to name an MVP for that team, who would it be? An MVP? I mean... For the recent stretch and the way Tennessee's playing right now, I do think maybe, and he's a guy that I haven't been you know necessarily crazy about for his time here, but I think Zakai's playing at a really, really high level playmaking-wise. Now, I think Josiah is a very important glue guy. You know, I've li- you know I've likened him to Draymond Green throughout most of his career here. Like, you know, maybe don't need him to score, but if you give you 10 points, the defense, the passing, the rebounding, all of that is so invaluable. But, like, I mean, the tear Jonas has been on, I mean, Jonas has been really, really important, too. But if I had to give one vote, I'd probably give it to Zakai at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I'm kind of right there with Zakai here recently. I think he's playing, you know, just as good as any other point guard in the country. But I do I do go to Jonas Adu. I think that, you know, Bob, you mentioned it, the evolution of his game. I think kind of the start of that season where, you know, where Adu gets matchups against, you know, Zach Eady, Hunter Dickinson, Armando Baycott, I think those kind of three games really just – threw him in the fire in terms of the evolution that he probably had this offseason. And I think, you know, I just think that that experience that he gained from those three games is something that you're seeing now. And I think it's, you know, if you get a, a performance like Saturday with Jonas Adu, I think that this Tennessee team really starts to become a, a hard team to beat. And I think you kind of look at, the, you know, the other teams in the conference, like at Kentucky, they've got some talented big man. I think when you've got that, that you know, that number one big man that Adu's become for this team, I think that really – turns Tennessee into a much more well-rounded team. Yeah. Do you have a bit do you have a vote? I do. And what I find interesting is it, none of us none of us even with all the great individual performances we've seen here and there from Dalton Connect, none of us have Dalton. My vote would actually be for for Josiah Jordan James. Just for the reasons John said too. I mean, he is a glue guy, but I mean, he has been for the most part, I think he's maybe had one clunker of a game this season. He's been steady, mm-hmm. just reliable. Um, goes to show you, man, if he can stay healthy, what what he really was meant to be as a player. We're seeing it happen. Um, but it, it, it really is telling, I think. Everybody kind of feels that way, that Connect, for as excited as we thought we would be about him, you know, some people calling him like the – you know the the volunteer Larry Bird, which was absurd to say, but there were there were people saying that kind of stuff. Didn't feel absurd during the North Carolina game, I must say. Yeah, no, he no, that was that <laughs> was didn't well, feel absurd at that point. But yeah, 
yeah, I I still think there's yeah, we could argue that all day long. Marked differences between those two in their games, even with the North Carolina game. It was as a scorer, he's he was unbelievable that night. But I just think that um, we we need him obviously, and I think we'll still get him. It's just it's interesting what's going on. I mean, in in textbook terms, he was in a little bit of foul trouble the other night, which didn't help, but. Um, uh, yeah, I, it was, but it was still encouraging to your point to see them win the game as convincingly as they did with without him. So let's just hope we can get him back to a position where he's consistently contributing and leading that team. Yeah, I do feel like we might be suffering from a little recency bias, or at least maybe I feel like I was because he probably still is the team MVP because I do think he has opened so much up for this team. But it is hard to give him that in a game, you know, where he's a, a minus one when your team wins by 26. And he's been struggling a little bit since the since the Illinois game. You know, you haven't really needed yeah. him. But I, I do think you'll see him kind of ramp back up. I'm not worried about him. He's still probably actually the team MVP. But your vote of Josiah, I think, really matters because of just what I think the biggest difference from this team versus teams in the past. And I am – Looking forward to kind of asking Rick Barnes about this. But for me, the offense finally makes sense. And it seems like now, finally, Rick Barnes has said, hey, one big man's all we need, and let's kind of spread the floor with some spacing and shooting. And I think it's opened up the lane for Zakai, and it's allowed him to have more space to operate, playmaking for other people. I think you – see a lot of just wide-open looks for Jonas, you know, in the pick-and-roll and and then just at the bottom, you know, getting, you know, passes fed to him near the rim because everyone's so spread out. And I do think Josiah at the four really makes that happen. It really unlocks that because you think back just to last year, Olivier Kumwa, solid player. I mean, he's gone to Michigan. He's having a pretty good season at Michigan. But removing him off the floor – and putting Josiah at the four has just, I think, made everything click offensively for him. So, like, you know, maybe maybe he is the MVP. Maybe he is the Draymond to Steph Curry. And, like, he's the actual secret sauce that makes everything work. But then, of course, you have the scoring of a, of a Dalton Connect slash Steph Curry, of course. But Josiah may be the most important player, if not most valuable. Yeah, I agree with what you said a moment ago about recency bias. But last five games – going back to connect for a second averages like seven and a half points on seven shots 20 minutes I mean it's and again I'm just hoping and you know that's another question to ask coach when he comes on is you know and we'll see how much we learn um, but is that just letting him adapt to defenses is that letting him rest that ankle was the ankle fully healed there's just a lot you know I think there's a sickness for the North Carolina State game as well that yeah. him and Jonas was dealing with because yeah. you know if you go back to Jonas's recent games that was kind of his clunker too so I think there was something to do with that but yeah Dalton scored two points against, against North Carolina State I think that's the only one that you really kind of needed him in though because yeah. Georgia Southern Tarleton State Norfolk you didn't really need him in those I do think as you get into SEC play, and maybe not for the next handful of games, though, because I do think the schedule sets up for Tennessee to go on a bit of a run here. But I do think, you know, if this team is going to win the SEC, if it's going to be a one seed or a two seed or, you know, maybe make the program's first Final Four, I do think you're going to have to have Connect be a 20-point 
threats, a 25-point threat at any moment. Kind of Maybe not the North Carolina performance, but I do think you need to be at least the Illinois version of that where he scores 21 right. on 14 shots and hits some threes and gets the crowd going and gets the team going. I think it's also encouraging, though, that you know you, you scored 90 points as a team when you only get eight points from Connect, and you have yeah. you know such a bad start yep. shooting the three ball at the start of that game as well. You this know, team's I think it, deep, man. Yeah, you got talent around the board. I think kind of at the start of the year, it felt like you know it was like all right, Connect's the only guy that can go get us that 20 points and can make us a, a, a you know a good team offensively. And I think you've you've obviously seen that other guys are stepping up into that role and making Tennessee a really dangerous offensive team along with the elite defense that they already play for so long under Rick Barnes. Yeah, I mean, Santee was a great example. I mean, uh, Saturday night, he you know was hovering around two or four points, and then, boom, all of a sudden he ends up with 11. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's hits a couple big shots. It, it, you're right. It's It feels nice, that, and that's what you need in the tournament, right? I know everybody's going to talk about the, you know, the, the, the history of tournament ineffectiveness and all this other stuff, but, you know, we got to look forward, and uh, those types of uh, – that type of depth, those types of skills, it's going to be really critical. It feels like we've got them more than we ever have. You got seven starters yeah. on this yeah. team. Yeah. And, you know, Ganey, if he comes in and can give you a couple buckets, you know, that's a nice punch off the bench. But really, like, you have seven guys that you're going to rely on. If Tennessee is going to win the conference, if Tennessee is going to make a Final Four or win a national championship even – it's going to be on the top seven guys. It's going to be on Awaka and Mayshack off the bench. Then, of course, you're starting five. You got you got seven guys who I think you feel really, really good about. And at any given night, at any given moment, you know, one of those seven can take over for stretches, whether it be Mayshack and his defense and getting to the rim or hitting a couple threes or, or you know, Zakai bombing threes and creating wide open looks or Vescovy pump faking and sidestepping into a couple threes or Jonas going for 24 points. Like you got seven guys, you got seven guys who can really play and you got a mix of point guard play and and wing play. And now over the last, you know, 10 games, you've added a center who can score the basketball and he's been scoring at a pretty good clip. And, I don't know if it will sustain for the entire season, but like you pointed out, Sam, it's also not going to have to. He's also not going to have to go up against a, a, a trio of centers that he went up against, you know, in late November, early December, and I do think that probably made him a little bit better. And you know, maybe that allowed Barnes to kind of question him and say, "Hey, you know, if you're this is the level you have to play at. Here's what we're chasing." I do think you've seen a different Jonas since those games. And, you know, it, it rounds this team out really well. And also want to give a shout-out to Awaka because I do feel like he is playing really good when he's in. And, and even defensively, I think he's taking some strides there. He's still fouling too much. Like, you gotta got to stop the fouling, but he is a good big off the bench, and he helps kind of keep the thing moving when he comes in. The thing with Awaka, too, is, uh, you know, I've talked about this. There's a little bit of a Rodman vibe to him from the standpoint of, even if he doesn't get the rebound and his guy gets it, you better damn well hold on to the ball because he's not done. He's going to try to strip it from you. And I mean, I love it. His aggressiveness is is really entertaining. But you're right; got to keep him on the right side of the fouls. That's the only problem. He is a defensive end when he's in the game. Yeah, he is there. He's got a motor. He's just going to keep coming at you. He's going to beat you up, and it can't be fun to play against him. But he brings some toughness to the team, and you know. Tennessee going to stay in the top five. They, 
The metrics have moved them up into the top five. They're number four on Ken Palm right now. Their offense is is set uh, in the top 25. That's kind of where it needs to be to win a national championship. The offense showing it's good enough. The defense a mainstay, a staple of a Rick Barnes program. Team's playing really, really well. Dominate Ole Miss. We'll talk more about that in Hour 3 with Rick Barnes. Hour 1 is in the books. We'll kick off Hour 2 talking some Tennessee football. Stick with us. It is the morning show right here on Fan Run Radio. Ever been